Hello and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is June the 24th, 2021, and my name is Frank Wortha, and I'm joined by Alex Kenzie. Hello, sir. Tap of the afternoon to you, Franklin. I think we should also say that we're brought to you by Friendship. Well, I thought that was a given, but I, it, <laughs> you know, I guess it doesn't hurt to repeat that friendship is the core of what we do here. It's true. It is our sun. Mm. And moon and stars. <laughs> yes. How goes your Thursday? Ah, uh, fuck. That's funny that you said that it's Thursday because I didn't even know what today was. That's how my <laughs> Thursday's going. Um, it's going busy, man. I, I, I got a new role this uh, this company that I'm with. And um, oh. my, my focus is purely on renewables. But right now that means electric vehicle chargers. Mm. So we sell... Traditionally, for 100 years, we've sold uh, gas station parts. We've mirrored the internal combustion engine from its start. We got our start in 1917, and we've helped build and maintain gas stations that entire time. And we saw the writing on the wall that electricity's coming, uh, EVs are coming. It's not a matter of if, it's certainly a matter of when. And then California put that when on a hard date of... Um, 2035 and they said by that time there will be no new car sales of internal combustion engines meaning that any new car sale after 2035 will have to be of a renewable source of energy and that's when we were like well we should probably do something about it they created an entire division around renewables and they tagged me to head it and uh, i've never been busier well, congrats. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. And there's so, like, California is doing so much right now and in the, in the way of incentives um, to help build out the infrastructure and help make it affordable to do it. And um, so it's like every day I have at least one webinar, if not two, about some sort of incentive somewhere. Today it was mm. Southern California Edison, which is the electrical utility in the greater Los Angeles area. And they have like $430 million ready to go. Damn. Just waiting for applicants. Yeah. So how does it, how does it work? Like the shells in San Diego proper or whatever in, in Southern California where your territory is pretty big, I believe, but like they contact you, Frank Huerta and say like, Hey, we want to put Tesla charging stations in at all of our places or Walmart or whatever the company mm -hmm, is. And then mm -hmm. they just, you take it from there. Like, how does that work? Kind of it. It's, it's so convoluted that I couldn't really give you a straight answer there. First of all, Tesla is their own beast. Nobody sells Tesla chargers. Tesla uh, does their own thing. Gotcha. They are. If you buy a Tesla charger, you, if you want to go to another fast charger, you have to buy an adapter there. You can't even plug in. Mm. That's, I mean, that's how um, isolated they are. Yeah. But yeah, they would contact me and then we would go through the process in San Diego right now. There isn't a ton in the way of incentives, depending on what you're doing. If you're just a regular gas station that wants to put in an electric vehicle charger, the one that makes sense to put in, which would be a, a fast charger, um, it would cost you a lot of money. Yeah, I was going to say, how much? Well, the unit itself is like right around 50. Damn. But that's not, the, that's not the real cost. The real cost is, do you have the electricity ready? Mm -hmm. You need three-phase power. If you know anything about electricity, there's either single-phase power or three-phase power. The majority of electricity in buildings, homes, anything that isn't commercial is usually single-phase power. 240 volts, single-phase power, and that's, that's pretty normal. If you're doing anything crazy, like if you're a big business or if you're a car wash, a gas station that runs a car wash, you're going to need an extra utility. You're going to need another meter um, that's going to give you three-phase power. That can cost upwards of $150,000. Then you got to take that electricity and you've got to run conduits underground to wherever this electric vehicle charger is going to sit, meaning you have to cut concrete, you have to dig up asphalt. Um, that could cost you, depending on your situation, another $100,000. So if you had everything ready to go and you, and you don't, but if you did, you could just pay forty-eight grand, get the whole complete setup, set it in, probably charge cost another like five grand for installation, and then you're good to go. But that's just not the case. Yeah. And that's why there are these incentives out there. So this one today that we were talking about, or that this webinar was about, um, Southern California Edison, which is the electrical utility, is basically saying, we will pay for everything up until the equipment. So make they, they call it make ready. They'll 
have the site make ready for your whatever you want, whatever makes sense for you. Um, and then you have to just buy the equipment and then pay for installation, things like that. Now Damn. on the, on the, on the back end of that, you have to keep that charger running for 10 years. Uh, they have easement, meaning they basically have like, contr- like they, they, they don't own your land, but they're not, they're like a part of your land of your property. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like install a charger and you're, it's not there for 10 years and like five years go by and it broke down and you're not making efforts to fix it. They can go and try and recoup the costs of them making your site make ready. There's a lot of things that go into it, but essentially what they're doing is they're saying, well, if our goal is to have, you know, a majority of the cars be electric in 2035, the cart must come at before the horse. You have to have the infrastructure yeah, or it won't make sense. And that's what they're trying to do. So yeah, man, our hands are full. What is the benefit to, business owner other than tax break like uh, the incentives that you're saying like do they charge i I don't know how it works i'm a combustion engine guy right now i'm I'm poor but like do (laughs) do they charge like per hour per minute to like charge your car like how does a business make their money back by like what's the point of putting that in yeah we sell charge point chargers so they have the best network and software and they can you can make your charger uh, customized to literally whatever you want to do. If you want to charge by the minute and for the electricity, you can do that. If you want mm. to keep it so that nobody's there after like 10 minutes, you can allow people to charge for a certain rate. And then after 10 minutes, it's like $5 a minute after or something like that, you know, whatever oh. you want to do, whatever makes sense for you. But what California has done, and you're going to see this before too long, sweep the nation because California is usually the ones that start this kind of thing. And then if it makes sense, then it'll, it'll catch on, but they've monetized carbon. And what I mean by that is if you're somebody, we'll use gas. We've been talking about gas stations. We use gas stations as an example. If you're just a shell gas station, right? You're just there. You're just selling gas. The gas that you sell, you're not responsible for the carbon output that that gas will inevitably bring into the atmosphere when it's burned and in a combustion engine and then the exhaust goes out of your tailpipe and into the atmosphere. The people who are responsible for that are the actual oil companies. So Shell itself is responsible for the oil or the gas that they sell to their franchise gas stations. That means that Shell has a responsibility to pay for the carbon that they're responsible for emitting into the atmosphere. And the way that they do that is through carbon credits. So you have on one hand, the emissions in the atmosphere that you put out. And on the other hand, you have some sort of carbon reduction method, right? EV charging is one of them. California recognizes EV charging as effectively taking carbon out of the atmosphere, right? Because otherwise, that would have been gasoline that would have been burned, and then that would have been carbon. So it recognizes the electric vehicle charging as a replacement for gasoline, meaning that it's carbon negative. And Shell will have the emissions that they're responsible for, and there will be a dollar amount on those emissions. And this is all, they have to report it to California Air Resource Board. It's a big process. So they know how much carbon that they're going to emit more or less throughout the year. And they're going to have to negate that carbon with something else. Mm -hmm. If Shell isn't doing things on their own to reduce carbon, they can go to this, this other gas station and they can say, Hey, you're charging electric vehicle chargers that earns you credits. Mm -hmm. I need to, use these credits to emit into the atmosphere. I want to buy your credits so that I can use them in my processes. Okay. I remember you talking about that. That was like one of our first Instagram videos we put about. Oh, uh, was it really? It was about carbon credits. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah. like they'll go to schools and places like mm-hmm. this that don't, then they, yeah. they can buy their credits from them or whatnot. So on top of the revenue that you'd make, whatever you get charged by your electrical utility, Mm-hmm. however much you, it costs you for energy, you mark that up a certain percentage and then you sell that to whoever's charging the vehicle. That's one revenue stream and you get to double dip. So every time you charge a car, you earn these carbon credits, these carbon credits, 
you, you stock up on them and then you can take them to a marketplace and sell them to companies that need them to spend. And that is how California is monetizing carbon and slowly but surely becoming carbon neutral. Would you say it's in like Shell gasoline companies in best interest to install these electric car chargers as many places as they can because then they can earn more carbon credits to still distribute gasoline? Yeah, yeah, they can offset their carbon output. And you can do that. Electric vehicle charging is just one example. Um, there are there are companies, and I'm sure Shell does this, they will go to uh, forested areas mm-hmm. that will have otherwise been cut down for lumber, and they'll buy these areas and just sit on it and not do anything. And they can earn carbon credits from that because if it otherwise were to have been cut down, then now they are cleaning the air through their normal process, whatever right. a tree does, and they do it that way. And solar, wind, they can install uh, wind turbines, they can install a bunch of solar panels. Whatever negates carbon will allow somebody to earn carbon credits. And if you don't need to spend them, then that's just a revenue stream for you. That's smart. I mean, that's a good way to make these companies... Mm-hmm. start to invest into that stuff. I mean, there's loopholes I'm sure they take advantage of to keep doing what they're doing, but in the long run, like they're still contributing to lower carbon emissions or other energy sources. So that's cool. That's yeah. And it's, it is certainly smart because you, you can't just like wholesale cut off a company from saying you can't emit carbon. Yeah. Um, you know, you would, you would ruin your economy. So they figured out that they, you know, we're going to have to phase this stuff out. And how we're going to do that is we're going to have to put a little bit of pain on these companies for the carbon that they admit. Mm. They have to pay for it, but mm. there's also ways to negate it. It's a facto carbon neutral California. Very cool. So yeah, to the world, to the to news world. the world. Um, <laughs> and let's start in the world of celebrities. I never thought I'd have to say this, but we need to talk about Britney Spears. It's Britney, bitch. I'm sure this is not the first you've heard of it, but if it is, Britney Spears is under a, what's called a conservatorship, um, which is handled by her father. And what that means is that Britney Spears is, we'll start from the beginning. When this conservatorship was placed on Miss Spears. Uh, it was done so in 2008. Um, and it, it was, it's a legal process. It was petitioned by her father uh, to take over her personal and financial affairs. Reason being is because, as you guys remember, if you were in tune to pop culture at all during that time, she was going through it. You know, the celebrity had caught up to her. She was shaving her head. She was running off to Vegas to get married and then get divorced a couple of days later. Things were going rough for Britney Spears. Also, she was in debt. So her dad went to court and said, hey, listen, my daughter needs help. There's a lot of things going on. It's a big deal to be Britney Spears, and she cannot handle it. I need to take over to help her out. Judge looked at it said, yes, you do need to help out. She does need help. It's probably a good thing that he stepped in at that time because, like I said, she was in debt. Um, and he turned around her entire estate. Her net worth was negative when he took over. Right now, it's $60 million. And up until this time, um, you know, it had more or less been, not a secret, everyone knew that she was under conservatorship, but it seemed like she was doing okay. But recently, in the past, I don't know, what would you say, like a couple years, 18 months? I I don't know. I, I really don't pay attention to pop culture that much, but I... I had heard rumblings that this conservatorship was kind of teetering on the edge of being a bit abusive, where Britney Spears didn't need and or want this legal conservatorship, and there was really no way for her to get out of it, right? Yeah. Um, so much so that last year, excuse me, in 2019, her dad relinquished his conservatorship over her um, personal affairs, but retained conservatorship over her financial affairs. So um, 
as this story began to gain steam in social media, there was a free Britney movement, there were documentaries made, but we didn't really hear from her herself. There wasn't anything, there were clues, there were signs, there were hints, but it wasn't anything explicit. And to that point, she would even say that things are good, she's happy, this, that, and the other. Well, all that came apart yesterday. Mm. She went to court. She was given her day in court and she spoke in front of the judge uh, and the lawyers for both her and her father's side. Um, And to summarize what she said in a couple words, um, she wants out. She's over it. Um, If I can quote a little bit of what she said yesterday, uh, I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. Um, It's doing me way more harm than good. And I have a desire to have a life. Sorry, from what I'm reading right now, that's about, that's about all I can see from, from her quotes, but, but it, it it didn't variate from that at all. I mean, that's all that she was saying. I'm done with this. I really want out. This isn't doing me good. Um, She was like alluding to the fact that she can't be picked up by her boyfriend. I mean, dude, have you ever seen her Instagram page? Uh, and like, like I said, I, I don't, I don't tap into all this stuff, so I don't know. Dude, it's, about it. it's weird, man. Like it, it does. It feels like it's managed, and it's like a a lot of like the same pictures with like different filters, and like her dancing. It's just like weird. It doesn't seem like it's her. Like it never has. Like it's. It, I, I just don't get it. Um, it's like I, when this happened in, in 08, like, yeah, she was going through it. Like she was going crazy, which I'm sure is a common thing when you, you know, have millions of dollars at age 17, 18 years old and go, you know, you start that celebrity lifestyle so damn early and it makes sense in 08. I don't know if it makes sense in 2021. Like she's Britney Spears is not like the star that she was. And I'm sure by now they've got her like medicine routine and more of this like figured out yeah you know that's i'm I'm glad you brought up um uh, medicine she is on she said she's claiming that she's been put on lithium or she was forced to take lithium and i'm thinking what the fuck does we put in batteries why is this (laughs) going into britney spears um and so i looked it up and it's it's a strong drug um, and it's used to treat bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So does she have bipolar disorder? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I think it's easy to look at this and say, oh, wow, like this is a complete injustice. Uh, Britney Spears is being held against her will, this, that, and the other. Um, and it does sound like her dad is kind of overstepping his bounds and being a little bit more controlling over an adult daughter than you would hope a father would be. But I think at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going on with Britney Spears. I mean, do we? Is she said, no, it here. Yeah. don't get me wrong. Like her, in her words, it's, it's kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, I, that's what I would say is like, we got to kind of trust her more than what her dad is telling us or, or whatever the case is. Like, like I said, at the time, it probably made sense. And like he, she was like a huge international star. Like that, that boat needed to be managed perhaps. But like now she's a grown ass woman with kids with her life. Her, her life settled down a little bit. Like I know she's got a residency at Vegas, but like, that's honestly like probably pretty, you can get into a routine at least and like live a life to a point. But I mean, if she's like a grown ass adult, like saying like, yo, like I need, I want my life back. Like I shouldn't be yeah. told what to do at almost 40 years old day to day, how to spend my money, how to go out, how to post on social media. That's ridiculous. Like that's, how do you live that way? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, man. A hundred percent. I, I would like to give her family, her, especially her dad, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I don't know that he's an abusive guy. I don't know that he's in this for control or, I mean, maybe money. I mean, obviously he's done well with her estate. Um, But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know because I don't know who's in her ear. That's what I want to know. Who's in her ear? Who is she talking to? Who does she trust? What is it going, you know? um, But baseline, should probably allow your daughter to like live her life 
and do what she wants. And also, it's her money. She fucks it up. Who cares? It's her decision. If she's if she is really truly like mentally ill, um, then I think all that will come to fruition. But yeah, man, at at this stage, you're you're that old, and she's not old. How old is she? Forty. She's thirty eight, or I think. Yeah, she's like just shy of forty. Yeah. Nah. Sorry. Yeah. No way. That's not right. I saw that. Uh, if I want to look into it more myself, just kind of learn more about the story. I saw today on Hulu when I was browsing that they just put up like an ABC report that they did this past week, um, kind of about this whole thing. So, if you're interested, I'm sure that'll that'll tell more of the story. I'll definitely you know check it out and see if there's any pertinent info to show. I, I would hope that they would you know show it from her side, but also like mm-hmm. interview her family too. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, one of the things that she said that was interesting. This is why I want to. This is why I want to know who's in her ear and who she's talking, who she trusts, because she said that she wanted to have this conservatorship removed without a mental um, evaluation. Oh, oh. Hmm. which is something that the judge could order. They could say, "Yeah, we we want to check out your mental state, get a third party doctor in here, see what's up." That's where I was like, hmm. Why would she ask for that explicitly? Does, right. could, could it be that she knows that if there is something that maybe is a little bit off, but not 100% unmanageable as an, as an individual, as an mm-hmm. autonomous person, um, that that might cause the judge to not re- remove the conservatorship? I don't know. But I thought that was interesting that she asked for that explicitly. It's like, hmm. Well, I tell you, that tells you something. Something's definitely there's bipolar or some kind of disorder going on that you know she doesn't want to have to face or be put on yeah. trial for. I guess. I and, and, and to that to that effect, I, mean, I, I I say also yes because if you are an adult and you do have something going on and it is manageable or treatable or you you know. Like, why, why would the option be to have somebody in control of that for you? Right. Because we don't do that to everybody. Now, Britney Spears isn't everybody, but if you have a family member that has a, a mental disorder, like a literal chemical imbalance about them, I think the most drastic move would be to put them in an institution to get treated. Yeah. Um. But to like take control over everything of their life, I don't know, man. It a, a lot of that just kind of seems a little fishy to me. Yeah, and it makes sense to me. Like I said, when she was early, early twenties, maybe the biggest pop star of the time. But that, that's not the case. Get this woman her life back and mm-hmm. let her live it how she sees fit. In my opinion, I I agree with you hundred percent, man. And and if she fumbles it and just everything goes to shit, at least she had the ability to do so on her own. Like it's not, I don't think it's anybody else's responsibility, even your father's to shield you from what could be. Unless it's that bad that like her dad thinks like this girl, if she goes off for medicine could go and jump off the top of Caesar's palace and kill herself or something. Like Mm -hmm. maybe he's, he knows so well how, bad her mental disorder is that like he's trying to protect her but like just accepting like i'll look like the bad guy right in the in the name of keeping my daughter as safe as she can be i guess right yeah and and that's more or less how i uh, without really hearing everything and hearing his side that's more or less how i would want to think about him before i start saying this guy is just a complete jackass who's you know, has a hard time with control and wants, right. you know, power over his daughter's vast estate. You know, mm. I don't know. It, it, it all, it, it all is pretty, uh, pretty weird. Not how I pictured the Britney Spears story shaking out. That's for damn sure. Is it as weird as a very prominent businessman, software developer, taxi Vader, Waking up dead, I guess you could say. <laughs> no, it is not. And I am super ready to put on this uh, tinfoil hat here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, uh, yesterday, John McAfee um, was, uh, was, was killed himself. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, so, so John McAfee is a very eccentric individual with a, yeah. a litany of uh, uh, questionable events in, in his past. Uh, we'll start back in like 2012 when I, I forget where he, where, where he was. He was living in like South America and his, or Bali. Was he living in Bali? His neighbor wound up dead, shot Murdered. dead. Yeah. And then he fled the country. It's not a good look. Um, no. And he was extradited to the United States. He never faced charges for any killings. Um, but he was adamant about not paying taxes. Bragged about it. <laughs> he, he did brag about it. He definitely was like, yeah, I, I, I'm not paying taxes. He said he didn't have an income uh, because he wasn't working and didn't have a job. But the IRS was after him for his questionable behavior when it came to, to stocks and cryptocurrencies. And you know, he used his, his position as a celebrity to, to bolster the value, uh, sort of kind of like what Elon Musk does when he tweets about like Dogecoin and then all of a sudden Doge goes way up. Yeah. He was doing that with other cryptocurrencies and, and then selling them after they had gone up in value. Pump and dump scheme is what it's called. Anyways, he's had a litany of, of, of very, uh, sketchy things happen to him, but he, uh, he fled the country, the United States, because he was, uh, being pursued by the IRS and was ultimately detained in Spain, uh, awaiting extradition to the United States while he's in prison. Um, he begins to tweet about how he's getting subtle messages from the U.S. government saying, hey, we're coming after you. We're going to kill yourself. Um, so he said straight up, if I hang myself, it will be no fault of mine. Basically, if I wind up dead, it's not because I killed myself. And he said he even got a, a tattoo um, to prove it. So uh, sure enough, he... Um, is facing extradition to the United States. Once that becomes official, he winds up dead in his jail cell from a quote-unquote suicide. Now, it gets stranger from there. As soon as this information is released to the public about his death, there is a singular black Q that is posted to his Instagram account with no caption and no reference to anything else. Just a Q. And then... His Instagram account is deactivated. What oh. the fuck is going on? Like QAnon? Is that the illusion? No, maybe. Hmm. Who knows? I mean, that's where everyone's mind's going to go to, right? But it's just a Q. Just one Q. Just a picture of a Q. That's I it. didn't hear about that. That's crazy. So you, are people what thinking maybe he faked his death? What is going on? Why are we so afraid of John McAfee? Hmm. Who's John McAfee? I mean, listen, I, I understand the IRS doesn't fuck around when you owe them money. That Everyone knows that. But, I mean, this guy called his own suicide. Yeah, he got the tattoo said schwacked. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be hilarious if he wasn't dead. Well, yeah. I don't mean to laugh at a dead man. That's true. No, but it is. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like he knew. Mm-hmm. And he said it. He goes, hey, I'm here. Food's good. I got friends. Life's good. If I wind up dead, it's not because I did it. Hmm. And he winds up dead. Now, could he have killed himself? Sure. Maybe he was feeling suicidal and he wanted to not have his legacy be about the shame of offing himself. Maybe. That's certainly a possibility. But I don't buy that shit for a second. No way. Nobody kills her. Nobody calls their own suicide. Right. So question, just to clarify, you said that the black square with the Q that was after he was like pronounced dead and the story yes. was out minutes after the story was released to the public. Hmm. So he either got hacked or he's alive and faked his death. Yeah. Or something. All I know is that if somebody is w winds up dead and it's ruled a suicide and the situation is sketchy I am very inclined to believe that that person did not kill himself. Yeah. A la Jeffrey Epstein. 
Of course. But my question then remains, what is it that we're afraid of about McAfee? If I'm going to follow this conspiracy that he was murdered or that he didn't really kill himself, then the question remains, what is it that we're afraid of? Why is he dead? Yeah, I saw some stuff where he had like confirmed aliens existence and that we had been contacted, that they were here. So that, I mean, if that's true, that probably pissed off those people because that's supposed to be, you know, very secured intel. I'm sure, you know, he, I mean, he was in the internet securities game, man. Like he, he was selling antivirus software. So I'm sure he has dirt or like has his connections from those days to where he, you know, has blackmail or information hacked into whatever like i mean this this dude probably knew what he was doing at least, you know in the in the computer yeah. realm so I, I he could have definitely made a lot of enemies and then you pair that with making the internal revenue service a main enemy and and mm-hmm. boasting about it it sounds like he was pissing off just about anyone he could <laughs> now so. yeah well that's a hundred percent true man and that's why it's worth noting first of all a guy's 75 years old mm-hmm. second of all He's detained in, a, in a, a foreign country. His extradition gets approved. He is going to be sent back to the United States to face crim- federal criminal charges. I mean, yeah, like in normal circumstances, uh, somebody who isn't John McAfee. Yeah, like I, I can understand them committing suicide. Sure. Maybe he knew, like, if I go back to the U.S., I'm going to get I'm going to get Epstein anyway. So I might as well just say fuck it and do it myself quick or whatever. True, maybe that, or maybe I don't want to, you know, live out the rest of my days in, in a federal penitentiary. Right. And yeah. I'd rather just end it here. But, damn it, he called it. Yeah. So, and then what's the other angle? If he called it, and then he actually did commit suicide, well, was he just fucking with us? Was he just trying to sow seeds of doubt and confusion Maybe, maybe he's a psychopath megalomaniac. That's also a very high possibility. Somebody like John McAfee. But I don't know, man. It just doesn't pass the smell test. No, 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 no. Don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and like think every time something like this happens. But it's like in certain cases, man, like an Epstein, the McAfee, it's just like, hmm. Oh, yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I always want to find the most reasonable, logical plain non-dramatic answer for anything like this yeah. right that's how i approach aliens man right we don't have exactly. a 4k video of aliens it's 2021 get off my lawn <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> man i don't know he when somebody calls it that's where i'm like okay i'll put on this this foil hat for a second i'll entertain these these ideas because i mean he called a suicide nobody calls their suicide right Definitely stokes the flames of uh, of the of the more cynical and and uh, untrusting among us. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And then I didn't even know about that post. That's even that that stokes it even more. That's I got to look into. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. (laughs) Now, what it would be a logical answer to that? Somebody finds out this guy's dead. They knew that he tweeted about winding up committing suicide. And they hack into his Instagram account and they post that just to be great chaos, just to watch the world burn, mm-hmm. right? Just to see the ants scatter as you kick the, the anthill. <laughs> that to me is the most logical answer, but maybe he's in conjunction with somebody. Maybe he's like, Hey, when I end up dead, cause I know I'm going to end up dead cause they've told me so, um, uh, mm. put this out there, but why? I'd be interested to see how it plays out. If, if any new info comes out, I'm sure we won't ever know the real story. Probably not. Or maybe he's kicking it with Epstein somewhere on a private island. <laughs> In hell. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it was announced today over in the United Kingdom, which it's like a gray area to me what's like United Kingdom, Great Britain, like this whole this whole landmass is a mystery to me. It but. was explained to me not too long ago. The United Kingdom... See, you're not even sure now. <laughs> is is Great Britain? Uh-huh. Is oh, excuse me? Is England, Wales, and Scotland? And okay. Great Britain 
is you add Northern Ireland to that. Or um. Great Britain <laughs> is England, Scotland, Wales, and the United Kingdom adds Northern Ireland to that. It's one combination of those two. I am certain of it. Okay. Well, so what we're about to discuss is going to affect for the UK. It is UK-wide. Uh, Mr. Boris Johnson announced it uh, today, I believe, or yesterday. Um, he said that starting at the end of next year, the government is going to impose a UK-wide ban on TV advertisements for foods that is, are high in sugar, salt, and fat pre-9 mm. p.m. So that means any television, most ads you'd see anywhere will not be able to advertise uh, anything like I'll go through this list that they that they put in here, but chocolate, burgers, soft drinks, cakes, um, ice cream, biscuits, sweetened juices, crisps, uh, which are chips, chips, which are fries, pizzas, <laughs> breakfast cereals, yogurts, ready meals, chicken nuggets, battered fish. Uh, none of this is allowed to air except from the time of 9 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. And it's very controversial over there. The reason they're doing this is to like fight what they see as like a huge obesity problem over there. Uh, they should come see our country or Mexico. <laughs> I just found out you told me about Mexico last week. That's crazy. Never knew that. But um, basically also other stipulations that are part of this paid for ads on sites like Facebook and Google uh, will also be banned in between those hours. Um, there are some loopholes though. So, the Department of Health, the Department of Health, their Department of Health, said that the uh, restrictions aren't going to food like some aren't going to affect some foods that uh, like universally or I guess by their decree are like still okay. So like honey, which would be high in sugar, is still okay. Olive oil, which would be high in fat, um, and I think salt, I guess. But like avocados, marmite, like these things are high in these categories, but they're seen as like healthy overall, so they're still good. Mm -hmm. They don't contribute to this childhood obesity problem they're seeing. Another loophole is that uh, companies with fewer than 250 employees are still able to do whatever they want. Like they can still advertise. This only is going to affect like the bigger players so that like the okay. small businesses aren't crippled. Um, which is weird because they advertise on Google and Facebook, which I think they're still going to be able to do. So like face like. McDonald's can't advertise through Facebook and Google, but like Joe's Crab, like not Joe's Crab Shack, but like uh, Joe's Burger Shop, you know, that's downtown London or whatever, can go on Facebook and Google and still advertise in between these yeah. hours, which is like a weird thing. That is weird. Now, the companies themselves, like these big chains, big fast food restaurants, they can still market on their own websites, on their own apps, on social media accounts. Like they're still able to do that. It's just like on public advertisements, basically. So I can only imagine that that ad time post 9 p.m. is going to be crazy because this is a huge, I mean, advertising, huge money grab all over the world. So I, I can only imagine like those time slots are, are going to jump drastically. Um, but uh, basically the, the flip side, um, which would be the Institute of Proactioneers in Advertising, uh, they represent basically like all the large ad, ad agencies. Um, they're saying that the government's own impact assessment, like a study that the impact that the government did, like on the impact of these ads and how they affect kids, whatever, their own study showed a, it would only remove about 1.7 calories per day from a child's diet, which is the equivalent of half a Smarty. Okay, yeah, but that's <laughs> the industry that has the le like the most to lose here. So obviously they're going to say that. But that was my that was my question yeah. is what is the correlation between exposure to this to to this kind of stuff on on TV or in the internet? Right. And real life reduction in caloric intake. Right, right, right. Well, and so that study was done by like the government was done by like the Department of Health. But the idea is that, yes, like maybe immediately it's 1.7 calories or whatever. But like over time, if you don't always see a Whopper, you always see a Big Mac, always mm -hmm. see these mm -hmm. these pop commercials. Like if, if you stop seeing that, like you don't crave it, you don't think about it as much and you're seeing ads for, you know, healthy, whatever, this and that, blah, 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 blah. blah. And that's like those ads drive you to that. So like the idea is long term, mm -hmm. kind of like the idea of like removing cigarettes from advertising like we did here. Like I'm sure 
at first this was a, a you know people there was a way more smokers here back then i'm sure people still smoke their cigarettes even though they didn't see them like on movies and, and tv anymore but like yeah over time it became you know not as cool not as advertise all this other stuff and like now most people i know don't smoke cigarettes you know where i feel like if i grew mm-hmm. up in like 70s 80s 90s whatever like that was different and if they do they're like very well aware of the the negative health effects yeah. of smoking right like it's not lost on anybody there's a sticker on the whole side that says this will kill you yeah right exactly <laughs> it says it right on the thing so i uh, yeah i mean like i i love this i think this is a great way to strike a balance between attacking something that definitely needs to be addressed mm-hmm. and also not restricting freedoms on anybody. You're not saying you can't sell it. You're not saying you can't eat it, but you can't make it a mainstay in these children's heads over and over and over and over right. and over and over and over. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Honestly, I really do. I, you know, I remember in, I was like probably at like this time last year, maybe a little bit after like in September and we were getting like really good data about COVID. And I remember hearing this and I'm like, we're not going to hear about this like in the mainstream for a very long time. But it was, um, the fact that the number one comorbidity for COVID was obesity. Yeah. The number one, it was the only, um, predictable, uh, comorbidity with anybody that got sick or died from COVID. It was the only predictable one. You could have had some kind of heart thing. You could have had this, that, and the other. You could have been old. You could have been a little bit younger. Almost across the board, it was obesity. And I remember seeing the question being raised because, you know, there was this whole thing about masks and this whole thing about how do you address this part of COVID, that part of COVID. But the question was, would you start a diet and start doing cardio in order to not get COVID. Right. And I'm like, wow, what a question to pose because it's really easy to like put on a mask and think you're okay or, or you know, socially distance and think you're okay. And those are the things that we were combating, but nobody was combating this number one thing, the only predictable thing about COVID and uh, the co- comorbidity in COVID was, was obesity. And uh, so this kind of thing, I'm all on board, man. Yeah, and actually... Um, Boris Johnson's getting a little bit of shit about this. They're calling him a flip-flopper. Back in 08, he said, let the people eat what they want. When like, <laughs> the parents were giving pies to their kids like through a fence, he got a lot of flack for that. Like, let, let the kids eat what they want. Last year in April, he got COVID and he was hospitalized. And I guess it was actually kind of bad. And and uh-huh. all the reports this. I'm seeing are, are saying that the prime minister like kind of took it as a wake-up call. And uh, there there has been like a push for just like a straight-up ban across the board on all these ads, like on any on advertising at all for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, I, I post his COVID recovery and all that. I think he, you know, it's, it's, it's middle ground. Like it's a fair, you know, you guys can still advertise at night when it's primarily adults who can make their own choices, yada, yada. But in the hours that your kids see it and like for our, you know, obesity problem with children, like this is the best way to do it. And I, I think COVID was a wake up call for him. Yeah. Well, hopefully it was man. And, and you know, it, it's, um, it's a good long-term policy solution because this, like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. We of us who have been around for a very long time, we're very well aware of what's out there. I don't need to be advertised a freaking double, double to go get one. I know Mm -hmm. where it's at and I know where to get it. Right. Um, and I'm like, I'm reading on this, I'm reading on this story right now. And the picture they're showing is a hamburger with a hot dog split down the middle on, on top and, uh, potato chips on the bottom. I would eat that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm looking, cause I'm looking at, it. I would never think to make that, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh wow. If you know, if I saw that was available, maybe may not now, but especially when I was younger, dude, I remember no, being yeah. so, um, interested in what the new fast food thing was going to be. I was very interested in, in trying it Yeah, because it was delicious, but it was also high in fat and salt. Um, maybe not sugar, but a lot of times, yeah, like you'd be surprised how much sugar is in bread and you Mm -hmm. you don't really taste it. You don't consider it sweet, but it's incredibly sweet. So much sugar, um, and things that we don't know about. And, um, 
I, I do think that, you know, short of like fat shaming people, because that's not helpful to anybody. I think anybody, I think everybody knows that food is a drug. Yeah. I mean, just starve yourself for like seven hours and then eat a reasonable meal. Doesn't have to be anything great. Just eat a reasonable meal and just see how much your mood changes. I mean, it's, it's chemical, you know, it's, it's not mental. It's, it's an actual chemical thing. So much so that these companies that the UK are, are targeting for advertising employ, uh, scientists to create the perfect combination, fat, salt, and sugar that triggers our stupid reptilian brain <laughs> that makes it the most desirable thing possible. That's the science behind why we eat an entire bag of chips in one setting, because it hits chemically our brain in a way that is almost like survival mode. It's like, we know back when we needed to survive that this was the stuff that was going to give us the most dense caloric intake. Mm. That's why we love sweet fruits and nuts and salt. Oh my God, salt. Like we're fucking fiends for salt. All these things are known by people who design the food that we eat. So, um, uh, yeah, all for it. I'm interested to see where it goes. Cause another one of the loopholes is that like McDonald's can still advertise McDonald's. Like right. you just can't show a lot, right. or like a Big right. Mac, yada, yada. So I'm, I kind of like how we were talking with carbon credits. I'm interested to see like, okay, yeah, at first I'm sure they'll just advertise McDonald's, like advertise like the easiness of it or whatever, like just a general whatever. But like, they're going to like almost be forced to start pushing towards like healthy alternatives so that they can advertise their food again all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if it's healthy, if if it's healthy, they're able to advertise it. But if it's seen as like high fat sugar, yada, yada, they can't. So it's like, it's almost forcing their hand as, as like corporations from, a, from the UK is forcing all these companies hands, like, you know, Walker's chips, they're like, they're lays. If you want to, if you want to you know, advertise your chips, come up with a better option. That's not soaked in grease, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, man, that, that, that's a great point. Um, the first company that can figure out how to become profitable by creating a menu that is at the very least, uh, you know, a subtraction of the offering that they had previously, they're going to be the ones to win because then they can, they can, go around these rules, not maybe right. go around them, but maybe adhere to them to the point where it's like, oh, wow, I have something that is deemed healthy by the government of the UK. I can now advertise this, whereas my competitors are still serving the junk food. Maybe they're doing okay, but they're not able to push the product. They're just able to push the brand Yeah, where I can push my brand and my product. Oh, and also my brand is health now right so that's a fantastic point you bring up man it, it, hopefully that's you know down the line what we see because it's not a question anymore about whether or not obesity is bad and whether or not it's an epidemic in countries like the united states in countries like mexico i was talking a couple weeks ago about how they advertise the amount of excess sugar and calories Four children. It says explicitly four children on the bottle uh, of like Coca Cola yeah. and other sodas in in Mexico because it is such a problem. And that's you know one way they're trying to combat it. But um, do you think we'd ever see something in America like they're doing in the UK? I think that's possible. I don't know, I don't know man. Um, maybe, maybe. But America's weird. I don't know. I can't speak for other countries, but America's weird. We'll put overweight people on the front of magazines and call it like good. You yeah, know? yeah, right, and right. Yeah, you body positivity, whatever. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the message that um, it's okay to be overweight because everybody's beautiful. Okay, fine. But <sighs> That's a tough one, dude. Isn't that a tough one? It's not tough for me. Yeah, it's not tough either, for me. I don't know why we need to like, I, okay. 
I know why we want to make everybody feel good about themselves, no matter what weight you are. And this is a former, very, very fat person talking. Okay. <laughs> because I, I, I was able to run roughshod on my diet when I was a kid, my mom, whether she was just ignorant to what was out there or that she just didn't have the time or energy to, to completely police everything that I ate allowed me to eat whatever I wanted. And the results of that were me being very fat and, you know, it did a number to my psyche. So while I don't want to make people feel bad for being overweight, I don't necessarily agree with promoting it as something that's like wholesale, beautiful or good, or everybody's body is fantastic. Okay, fine. Whatever. Great. But also it's not a great message to send because we are extremely overweight. Right. And that is a problem for everybody because it is a complete depressor on the health system. And we saw that during COVID because yeah. it was the number one comorbidity. So I really don't have an issue. It's not a problem. I don't feel like I need to straddle that fence. It's like, nah, it's not okay to promote being overweight. It's just, I, I don't see the benefit in that at all. But- I also don't, like you don't want to make people feel like shit because like I said, it's a, it's a drug. It's not like you can just snap, let go like that, especially if you've been raised your whole life. No, but, but like, but if there was like a heroin addict, you wouldn't say like, you know, body positivity. They like, they look, you know, they look great when they, when they're on their heroin and, and how their body looks after, like we, we should embrace them and make them feel good. Like, no, like it's, they're abusing a drug that that's going to kill them someday. Just like people are abusing fried chicken and whoppers and all this mm -hmm. garbage mm -hmm. that people put into their bodies. But then like, you're like in this just like PC world, you're like still telling, it's such a hard line. Cause it's like, you want to in 2021 be like, politically correct and like loving and welcoming of everyone. But like, this is something where it's like, you're killing yourself. It's not as quick or drastic as heroin, but like being morbidly obese, you're going to die a heart disease, heart, like so many different things that could kill you. Like it shouldn't be so okay just so people feel good about themselves. You know, like heroin's a drastic example, but yeah, no, for sure. I agree. I agree. And, and I think the appeal for the other side of the argument is to like recognize that it's not as simple as somebody just changing their diet or whatever. I remember putting this on Twitter one time and I got like eviscerated for it because I, I said something about, you know, um, about it was like, they were trying to correlate racism with like low income with obesity and I was like, well, you know, maybe they have like access to more junk food, but at the end of the day, it is still a choice and sure. you can make the choice to eat like maybe not even healthy, but like half as less healthy than you currently are by just making better choices. And I, but have you heard of food deserts? this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. What I don't <laughs> like about those arguments, and I don't want to say they're invalid, but they take the responsibility away from the individual. Right. And you can't do that. I mean, you can at the end go, of the day, it's a choice. It's still a choice. Nobody's telling you, you need to go out and, and, right. you know, eat a half loaf of bread with your dinner. Right? And even if it's five bucks, you can go out and instead of going to KFC and getting a bucket of fried chicken, you could go to any grocery store and get a chicken breast and pan fry that bitch or bake it. And it's way healthier. It's still yeah. the same food. And it's not, right. you know, it's not. So I, I don't know if I believe in that argument. I, I do see where like lower income areas could have less and less grocery stores and more and more fast food and, mm -hmm. you know, in and out kind of food and liquor places. But th yeah, that's lazy to me to like blame it on that. And it's, it's lazy to, to me, it's lazy to be like, be healthy in your own body and eat like shit. Like if you feel good, like you can mm -hmm. change that. You change that yeah. with your diet, with your mentality, with, with any kind of exercise routine. Like it is not that hard. Like it, it's, it's harder than sitting on your fucking ass all day, mm -hmm. but it's not that hard to be healthy, especially today. It's not. No, it's, it's not. And, and something like what the UK is doing here, uh, with, with their, their ban on this, on this junk food advertising, um, is, you know, at least a step in the right direction. I, 
I remember sitting down at dinner at a, a friend's house, um, and their family was there, and we, we had you know we had been swimming and we we're hungry. I I just got done golfing, so I was starving, and we're sitting there and we we're having tacos and we're just devouring this tacos. <laughs> and I remember my, my friend's uncle sitting there saying, "Hey, enjoy the food." You don't have to eat like that. He wasn't talking to me. He was talking to all of us. And I was sitting mm. there thinking, holy shit. When was the last time like, I ate food like I appreciated mm. the food that I have? Mm-hmm. Every time I sit down to eat, it is like straight like yeah. savagery. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Just get yeah, right. fucking my mouth. I'm so hungry. Oh, I feel better. <laughs> you got to remember you know? to breathe. <laughs> What's that? You got to remember to like take a breath every once in a while. I've definitely ate like that before. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like we celebrate good food because yeah. of how good it tastes. But we don't, we're so far removed from the concept of not having food. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Actually appreciating it, slowing down, savoring what you have, knowing that no matter how fast you eat, you're still going to get to the same place and you probably might eat less if you were to sit and actually control how quickly you ate, how big of a bite you took. Um, you know, look at any restaurant and you're just going to see a bunch of like, like lip smacking mouth breathers who, you know, are just trying to shovel down food present party, not excluded. You know, I, I do it all the time. And, and it's like that mindset is so ingrained in us that like we have to sit here and think that, oh, we have to like approach the situation from where we're at, which is true. But also um, there's a certain level of responsibility that we need to take with ourselves and our relationship with food. And I, I, I love this idea. I, I love what they're doing here. I think it's I think it's putting into the minds of the citizens that the food is bad without telling them they are bad for eating it. So. Yeah, or just like removing it from, like being totalitarian and like sure. removing it from the shelves. Like the, you still have the option to eat it. It's just not absolutely pushed in the faces, especially of kids, their whole life. Absolutely, and it doesn't help. I mean, we talked about this last week when we went over milk. It doesn't help that we've been misled so poorly by our government about what is good food and what isn't. Sure, you know there was a there was a couple couple things that came out in the in the in the New York Times like in the 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, one of them was the racket that is recycling. There it is. Jot it down. There's another episode we need to do just on recycling. Yes. In the United States, recycling is the biggest racket that we've ever come up with. doesn't do any good for the environment. It's, it's a, it, it is a, on the whole, puts out more carbon than it takes out. And it's a, just a big racket. We should definitely spend some time on that. But the other one was fat. Because you remember how everything in the back of the day used to be low fat? Yeah. And that is what was good, low fat. Mm. Oh, it doesn't have fat, so it's not going to make me fat. Well, yeah, to the untrained mind, that makes a lot of sense. But what we didn't think about was what does sugar do to us? What does carbs do to us? What does bread do to us? What does grains do to us? We didn't really think about that. We're just like, oh, fat equals fat. I'm not eating fat. Therefore, I'm not going to get fat. That couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, we just pump sugar and everything. We, bread is it everywhere. It's terrible for us. So, yeah, I mean, if we're not going to sit here and demand that our government tell us what is good and what isn't, and I think more or less the public knows, you know, we talked about milk and we're not drinking nearly as much milk. It's all milk alternatives because we kind of understand the the concept behind it, even if it's just for the humanitarian reasons uh, yeah. of not wanting to consume animal products, we're not drinking as much milk. I think we're starting to get hip to what really is what. And um, if you ever want to look up a really interesting movie about what you were just talking about with with uh, high fat, low fat, like that whole mm-hmm. thing, um, it's kind. Of, I mean, it's definitely made by people that are like pushing people towards like a high fat, like that ketosis diet. Mm-hmm. for sure but it's just a real it's interesting to watch you'll definitely learn something you'll learn all about like how fucked up our food pyramid is and always has been uh it's called fat fiction and uh it, it's a great movie I, I highly recommend it it's a little it's a little long and like i said you can kind of see like you know you see their angle but it, it's it's a informative movie for sure 
You said it's called Fat Fiction? Fat Fiction, yeah. You can, on Netflix? Um, I watched it on Prime. I think I rented it for like two, yeah, it was like two bucks on Prime. Okay, um, cool. Well, I'll check it out. Uh, we are just about out of time, and I need to go get a 12-inch mystery tuna sub from Subway. So if we could wrap this up. <laughs> Hells yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I should probably talk about our friends, our brothers, our comrades over at Gun Barrel Coffee. Drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. You guys know that by now. But when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Gun Barrel Coffee is proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across the good old U.S. of A. From their medium blend, the Moab, their double dark, the battleship, CBD infused, the medic, and even with their hot sauce, the big guns. It is smooth, delicious, tasty, without that acid or bitterness you find in so many other coffees. They offer 14 different blends and roasts in which you can get whole bean, ground, or single serve pods. And right now, as a friend of this humongous ship, you can use promo code FNH10 and save 10% at checkout when you buy any of their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com gun barrel coffee damn good coffee damn good cause five calories and a cup of black coffee and still uh considered like you're drinking water oh no way isn't it it's a dehydrator isn't it it has I to think be so. i think you it's pee still so considered much. like liquid towards like your ounce goal per day really i, I always thought do, of it as like a negative it. water intake thing because it makes you pee it's a diuretic well i know i know that like the darker liquids are worse for you than the clear ones. Uh-huh. But I mean, maybe we should look into it. We should find out. So are you telling me to dump a bunch of whole milk in my coffee? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I think coffee still hydrates you more than it oh. dehydrates you. But maybe not. Maybe not. I could be full of shit, Frank. Anyway, if uh, you'd like to tell us our business about anything that we've said today, <laughs> uh, you can contact us on the different platforms that we participate in. That would be Twitter at FriendshipNH, Instagram at FriendshipNewsHour, and uh, you can email us directly at bummerdude.media at gmail.com, B U M M E R D U D E dot M E D I A at gmail.com. Much love. We will see you next time. Bye bye.